Between the constant pressure of racing against the clock, a lack of control over processes, and just the overall emotional intensity and strain that comes with the job, it's no wonder why more and more healthcare professionals are battling burnout. In fact, an estimated 30 to 50% of all healthcare professionals will experience burnout at some point during their career. So how can we combat this overwhelming health threat and bring joy back into our lives and career? Welcome to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jennifer Caudill, your host, and joining me today is John Belinsky, an emergency medicine physician assistant whose passion for teaching led him to create CME for Life. John will be joining us to talk about the topic near and dear to him, which is career burnout. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Dr. Cottle, thank you so much for having me. It's an actual honor to be on this program. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we're happy that you're here as well. So so let's start. Um, and, and let's start by setting the stage for our listeners. Can you explain what clinical burnout is and how you've experienced this in your own career? Yeah. When I look at burnout, and, and I feel like there's two distinct definitions. I mean, there's this clinical definition, the, the applicable definition of this decreased engagement in our job or this depersonalization when we go into a room and you feel disconnected from the people that we're caring for. We feel this cynicism, this resentment, this this fatigue, uh, this lack of empathy, and, and this draw that I personally felt in my career. And, and I can look at that as like this clinical definition, all of those things that I identify with. But I also think it's way more personal. And when I, when I work with physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, and I see how it is for them, overall, they've just lost that spark. They've lost the enthusiasm to go to work and really serve patients. So I look at it sometimes abstractly. This is an abstract definition, but it's very personal to each clinician about how they feel burnt out going to work. They just don't have that same enthusiasm they had when they first started the practice. And you know, do you feel that there's an overlap between clinical burnout and professional or medical burnout? Yeah, that's been my experience. What I found about 10 years ago, and that's when I felt this burnout was the most in my life. And, and it was absolutely an overlap. Now, for some clinicians, some doctors, PhD practitioners who can kind of pigeonhole their life or compartmentalize their life where they go to work and that's just their job. Um, and they go home and then they go to their family. That was never my experience. And that's not been the experience with most of the people that I work with. It's one and the same. And when you feel that burnout at work, when you start questioning, why did I get into the profession? That carries over and that carried over into my life. And that affected my family. It affected my health. Uh, how to take care of myself. So absolutely, and that's a question that I would ask the listeners. How do you feel burnout or the lack thereof? How do you feel your professional life overlaps into your personal life? And for me, it was tremendously overlapped. They were one in the same. Understood. No, and I think that your story and what you're talking about, I think so many who are listening will absolutely relate to this. You know, what are some of the modifiable factors that can contribute to burnout? Yeah, I've been working on uh, burnout for a long time. Um, and, and my experience at the college is it, it actually came out of like a clinical necessity. And when I say that, I mean, I do a lot of teaching like emergency medicine, EKG, and, and critical care stuff, but that was out of a clinical necessity. Like I, I worked autonomous emergency medicine, so I had to learn that at a very high level so I could teach it. And that's the same thing that happened with burnout. And where I was eight to 10 years ago in my life, and I needed to learn how to better cope with my professional satisfaction. So the five major modifiable factors, and this is something that's really important. This isn't theory. This is what I did to really turn my life around to the point now that eight years ago, I didn't know if I could keep practicing medicine. Now I love my job. So the five modifiable factors, 
for me have been, number one is, and I normally kind of use this metaphorically, I beat on my heart, and then I have two hands and two feet, okay? So it's heart, two hands, and two feet. So my heart stands for my locus of control. I have to know that I'm in control of my destiny. I'm in control of the choices that I make when I go to work and when I go home. I choose how I engage in my practice, and I'm not a victim of my practice. And I, I absolutely understand we're in a time where uh, charting is uh, a heavy burden. The electronic medical record is a tremendous burden in this patient satisfaction model where, you know, we have to get these high patient scores. They have patient satisfaction scores, these prep gaming scores, or else our reimbursement drop. But I am in control of my life. I'm in control of my practice. So number one is locus of control, and that's my heart. My right hand, that H stands for humility. It's humility. It's humility. It's humility. I have to realize that medicine is not about me. And I feel like this has been a really lost conversation. Um, I get the privilege of going to a number of entrepreneurial conferences and, and hearing these really high-powered speakers speak. And ego is a huge chokehold in any business. And we don't talk a lot about that in medicine. And for me, I had to realize medicine's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's always about the patients. And I'm there to serve them. And I have to remind myself of that. So that my right hand stands for my humility. Left hand stands for honesty. I have to be very deeply personal and honest with how I look at my job, how I look at my role within my job. I have to look at what are the things that maybe are blocking me. Do I have prejudices? And that was a real heavy burden because I was in the Marine Corps in Desert Storm. And we were in a combat unit. And we were taught to depersonalize an enemy. And that rolled over in the clinical practice. I had to acknowledge that because I don't want to treat anybody with anything but a fiduciary relationship. So we have locus of control, humility, honesty, and the two feet stand for number one is your focus. Um, how do I focus on patient care? What do I think about? Where do my, does my mind go? And that has a lot to do with the questions that I ask. And the last, my left foot, modifiable, are my feelings. I can constantly check in on how I'm feeling. Now, these five tools, Dr. Cottle, have been really helpful to help me have a barometer for where I was in burnout. And when I found those scores low, when I found I wasn't engaging in a high level most, um, that's when I felt most frustrated. So those are the five modifiable factors to help decrease burnout, at least that's helped me and, and a number of people that I've helped over the years teaching emergency medicine and critical care classes. That's excellent. Uh, and I really appreciate your uh, your examples and kind of breaking it down into steps. I think um, this will be very helpful for our listeners and trying to compartmentalize and understand um, you know ways to to make changes. So this is great. You know, for those of you who are just tuning in, this is Clinicians Roundtable on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudle, and today I'm speaking with John Belinsky about the prevalence of burnout in the healthcare industry. So, John, let's let's continue. You know, I I'm sure that you'll agree that clinical burnout has been a really hot topic in our industry, and rightfully so, and one that institutions have been trying to address. But considering how common burnout is, what are these conversations lacking? You know, what are we missing? And what are some of the things that organizations can do to better help their staff? Oh, what an excellent question. Well, first off, it's got to be we got to acknowledge the issue. We have to acknowledge the fact that there's a number of clinicians who are in practice who aren't engaged anymore. It's got to be absolutely acknowledged. And I think we're not focusing on that. But I, number one is to identify the issue. And this really has to do with emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence training, that needs to be part of continuing medical education programs. It needs to be part of the education in med schools and PA schools and nurse practitioner schools. And everything I've studied of emotional intelligence, it can be a little bit confusing, but I can simplify. There's really four factors of emotional intelligence. It's number one, self-awareness. So you have to know who you are and your motivation. The second part is, is self-management. You got to know how to manage your emotions. You got to know how to manage how you treat your staff. 
you know, are you disciplined? Are you treating your staff with respect and courtesy, or is there this ego-based, I'm the boss kind of mentality? And you just got to be honest about that. So we have we have self-awareness, self-mastery, and then there's social awareness. Do you have empathy for your patients? Are you practicing empathy-based listening techniques, or are you going in with your own agenda because you got you got hours of use of it, you got a time frame, you got patient every 15 minutes, and then it's social management. How well can you actually interact with these patients' feelings? So. I believe the first thing is just awareness of the issue, how big of an issue it is, but then how it's personal to different clinicians and emotional intelligence training and awareness. That's what I feel is most lacking and could most benefit people who are struggling from burnout. You know, and as someone who has experienced burnout themselves, can you share some tips to help your peers combat burnout? One of the things that I would challenge people to do is remember your essay. That's what I would challenge you to do. Remember your essay. If you can go back and find your essay, the essay that you wrote to get into medical school or PA school or nurse practitioner school, the essay that you wrote, go back and look at that. And remember that that child in you, that, that young adult that said, you know what, I really want to embrace healthcare. I really want to serve others. And, and I know what everybody wrote because I wrote the same thing. You're saying, you know what, I want to learn the skill set to be able to serve, to be a servant, to be a servant-based healthcare practitioner. And that's what I would encourage people to do is go back and look because I think we can miss the forest from the trees at times. I think what happens is we get too focused on outcomes, outcomes of patients or our paychecks or our benefits. We get too focused on the outcome and we miss the process. It's like Machiavellian said, the end justifies the means. Well, that's, that's not true. That is absolutely not true. It's the opposite. The means, it's every patient that we see, that's the blessings we get. That's how we get to serve. So anybody who may be struggling a little bit with burnout, be honest about it. Just be honest. Hey, I'm struggling. And anybody who's listening to this radio broadcast, anybody who's listening, I would say on a scale from one to 10, how much do you love your job? How much do you enjoy going to work and serving others? Or, you know, are you really fried? So look at yourself honestly and grade yourself on a scale from one to 10, where one is you love your job. You love being a service-based, a service-based healthcare practitioner. If you're one, you're like, you're already out the door. Just be honest about it. And then I would encourage you to go back, look at your essay. Or if you can't find it, think, what did I believe was going to be true before I got into med school, before I got into my higher education program, and start there. That's what I would recommend. I really like, I like all of those suggestions, but I really love the idea of going back and rethinking and rereading our essays that we wrote. Um, I think that that's a really great suggestion and one that, that will likely bring us all back to you know, why we initially wanted to become healthcare providers. So I, I think that's really, um, I think that's really wonderful. Um, you know, before we wrap up, this is, by the way, this has been a really great conversation. Um, but before we close, I'd love to open up the floor to you. Uh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with our listeners? I really think that it comes down to those three major strategies. You know, you have to think about your personal wellness. Um, sick people can't take care of sick people. That's the first thing is your personal wellness, your personal health, whether that's emotional, physical, spiritual, intellectual, um, you know, constantly got to focus on the patient experience. How am I serving others? And, and how do you optimize your systems? And these are conversations for another time, but you have to look at strategies of overall burnout, those three, and then the modifiable factors. So I'm so, I love talking to people like you, Dr. Cottle, people who are really engaged in the learning process and people who want to become better and they want to serve others to be better. And anybody who's listening you got to ask that question. Where are you now as a servant-based healthcare practitioner? And uh, just be honest about that. So take proactive steps to improve that because it can easily be improved if you put the effort forth. 
Absolutely. No, and I, I completely agree. And, um, you know, I really love talking with you, too. And I know this is going to be so helpful for our, our listeners. And I also know that many of our audience members will really be able to relate to your story. So once again, John, I'd, I'd really like to thank you for sharing your views and your recommendations with you uh, with us. It was great having you on the program today. Thank you. Man, it was an honor to be on the program. Good luck and God bless. I'm Dr. Jennifer Cardle, and you've been listening to Clinicians Roundtable on ReachMD. To access this episode and others in the series, please visit us at reachmd.com slash clinicians roundtable, where you can be part of the knowledge.